Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My very special guest today is my friend Shan. Hello. And we are discussing chapter 61, the final chapter of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. So this chapter is kind of an epilogue. It ties up all the loose ends and lets you know how everybody's coping with the Darcy's new marriage. Uh, it starts off with Mrs. Bennet getting rid of her two most deserving daughters, and I couldn't tell whether this was just another big joke because getting rid of her, or whether it meant something different at the time that it was printed, because getting rid of her daughters sounds pretty harsh. Yes, it, it, it does, and I suspect it's very much of, and I think it is meant, I think it's meant in that way, not in a harsh way, but, you know, two down, three to go, well, actually three down, two to go approach which has always been Mrs. Bennet's ultimate home is, aim is to get all her daughters married, settled in a secure future. So sort of mark them off. Mark them off. And, and she wouldn't have been too disappointed for Elizabeth to be out of the house because she was always the one causing her most grief. We much pleasant in the household for Mrs. Bennet yes. to deal with. And then we move into a little bit of authorial voice. I wish I could say for the sake of her family. There's that I, which mm. is directly Jane Austen speaking to you as a reader. I remember her doing that in Mansfield Park when she talks about my Fanny, Fanny Price. Mm. I just realised that that's a word for other things. Yes. <laughs> I did realise you were talking about Mansfield Park, though. It's most unfortunate the language has changed it is. over time. Um, then we move on to Mr. Bennett, who delighted in going to Pemberley, especially when he was least expected. Oh, you could just imagine Elizabeth's frustration, but sort of... Delighted seeing him. Then again, what would he do? Sit in the library? He's pretty going to be out of the way, He's isn't he? Not gonna He's not going to cause any problems. No, not like Mrs. Bennett, who would be an eye meeting yes. visit. It would be nice to have him visit, but when he's least expected, it makes it seem like possibly when it's a little inconvenient. Mm. Um, Jane and Bingley remain near the field only a 12 month. No, that does not surprise anybody, I think. Yes, I could imagine Mrs. Bennett over there every day and telling her how to manage her house. Even Jane would realise is Stephen, too, much yeah, too much. Yeah, too much of your mother. When you're grown up, you don't really still want your parents telling you what to do. No. And Even then, if they might be right, it's like you still like to make your own mistakes, don't you? Not too many of them. No, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to sort of the household ones and things, sometimes it's best to learn because it's your house. Perhaps you want to run your house differently to how your parents are in the exactly. house. And then we move on to Kitty, who spends the chief of her time with her two elder sisters and it has improved because of it. I mean, Kitty's almost a enigma all the way through, isn't she? Uh, but she's probably she is the most malleable, so it's rather nice for her to actually get something good happening. good out of it. Yeah, because she sort of gets brushed over by her other sisters, doesn't mm. she? She's just the spare. Mm. And then Mary is the only daughter who remains at home, and family history has told us that she becomes the star of Meriton society, <laughs> which is a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of. But it's I can understand, you can, well, I can understand in the sense that I don't think any of the daughters, I don't think Mary was an ugly daughter. I don't think she was ugly. Just compared to her sisters? Well, I think also she didn't make the most of herself in comparison to her sisters. 
you know, she almost deliberately made herself frumpy mm. is the impression that you get. Um, and, and also because her manner is that pedantic. So she's more interested in showing her superiority, but in a different way to the, Mrs. Bingley, uh, Miss Bingley rather, about her moral superiority and, and so forth and her meetings and things. And I think it just makes her unattractive but she doesn't have to go out. I think it's, you know, it's that part of it. I'm making myself quite different from my other sisters. So she can be the standalone sister. She's now the standalone sister, so she doesn't have to try as hard to be herself. I guess maybe she had a bit of a hard time like Kitty. When it boils down to it, Mrs. Bennett only had time for Jane and Lydia. Just think how Mary would have been if she'd actually had access to a good governance. It would have made such a difference for her because she was so desperate, so keen to learn. But she ended up having to do self-directed learning and ended up getting down this track of a very narrow bound track because there was nobody that she could discuss those things with. I remember reading in the, um, the other Bennett sister, which was based around Mary, um, that she had tried to... To, to educate herself and she'd written out all these little moral sayings and stuff and mm. she'd done up a book for her dad and her dad not realizing what she was doing had made fun about the moral philosophers and she was absolutely crushed i can just imagine her doing something like that um wickham and lydia are not changed by the marriage of their sisters but jane and elizabeth are often called upon to discharge their expenses when they move. Wickham's affection for Lydia soon sunk into indifference. Hers lasted a little longer. She retained all the claims to reputation which her marriage had given her. I assume that means she actually retains her reputation, not that because she was married. What reputation did she have? Well, she got a reputation by being married. Rather, she... See, this is the thing, because it could mean either. It could mm. mean that she lost her reputation because, you know, when she got married, she got married because she'd been, she'd eloped. Um, or it could mean that, you know, she got married and therefore was, in, in quotation marks, a respectable woman. And so she somehow managed to hold on to that despite being Lydia. And I think it could be read either way. It could be read either way, but I suspect that it was Jane's way of, of writing that. She was flighty before she got married. She was still flighty. She had the same reputation, even though she got married. When we talk about her claim, um, her marriage gave her, it was the manner in which she got married gave her ah, a reputation. So that's how you interpret that? That's how I interpret that. Okay. Miss Bingley was deeply mortified by Darcy's marriage. Um, I had to look up this word. She paid off every area of civility to Elizabeth, so that's every owed civility. So she would have had to be really nice to make up for everything she'd done in the past. <laughs> oh, she would have struggled at that. Would have been really hard for her. And deeply mortified is I think quite that's... strong language. I mean, it's easy for us to poke fun at Miss Bingley. But she is a, a person of her time. Yeah, she was very much a product of her time. She... She did take more credit for her superiority than she ought to. She wasn't really a gentlewoman. 
No, no, because her money was made by trade. She yeah, wasn't exactly. related to Jenny. In her mind, it was aristocracy and money. And she didn't understand the ties between gentry and land and that. And how that's what made them the superior. Because she just thought it was just the money. And we hear about Georgiana, who's now made Pemberley her home. Which I always found it sort of odd that she would live in London or go to Ramsgate and not really spend that much time at Pemberley, but I suppose at Pemberley she would be quite isolated. She would have been very now. isolated uh, and without, particularly if her brother wasn't there, but even if her brother was there as an unsocial animal, there wouldn't have been, you know, there wouldn't have been the informal shows and exhibitions and all those things that she can go to in Bath or Ramsgate or, or London, all those attractions and things. Uh, she would have been pretty well tied to the house in the local village. It wouldn't have been very entertaining. Not for a young girl, and she would certainly not have been exposed to much social company. I mean, she's already so painfully she's shy. She's already so painfully shy, so without... And she was at that age where she needed to start doing that socialisation. She was at 16, 17, she really needed to get out and be in company. Because she would have been made, making her come out in a year or two. Mm. So it's good for her that... Elizabeth comes to live with them. Yeah, also she has a a brightening aspect, I think, on Pemberley. She would get on with this, the staff, particularly the housekeeper, for example, so that the, the change of reigns would have been a positive change, that, yes, she would have bring a modern look, but she would not want to overthrow all tradition just to come in, whereas I think they would have been frightened or really anxious about, say, Mrs Bingley, uh, Miss Bingley coming in, who would have not necessarily respected some of the traditions. traditions. And then we move on to Lady Catherine. <laughs> oh, Lady Catherine. It's interesting, she's referred to the genuine frankness of her character, which that's something she shares with Elizabeth. Not something you think, you wouldn't think that they would have anything in common. Oh, they do. It's just Lady Catherine has no bones about, I was going to say being unpleasant. It's frankness to the point of rudeness. Whereas Elizabeth might be frank, but she avoids being rude unless she's pushed to it. Like Mrs. Mr. Collins, for example. She would, Even when turning down and, and trying to manage him, she, she tried to desperately to be avoid being rude to him until he pushed there, that is the big difference between them. I think Lady Catherine thinks she can get away with being rude because of her rank. Mm. Um, but Lizzie, even if she could get away with it, I don't think she would because she's not naturally like a nasty person. Well, I think Lizzie would, with those less well off, I think she'd, she might still be frank, but I think she, she would recognise that there is a responsibility when you're the one in the superior position to not be cutting down mm. the other, do you know what I mean? So I think she'd actually be more gentle or what have you, or avoid avoid getting into that position with somebody like that. I think it just, yeah, I mean, they're, they're so, such different characters. and uh, Even when dealing with Darcy, I remember there was a bit when she was staying at Netherfield and Mr Bingley said something and Lizzie checked her laugh because she thought she could see that he was offended. Yes. So even though she wasn't terribly fond of Darcy, she didn't want to offend him. She didn't want him upset. 
she didn't go out of her way to offend people. So she was aware when things got to the point of being. And I think particularly when she got a bit after the fiasco with Lydia, or even before the fiasco with Lydia, when, um, when she came back from Kent, she started to observe her father who, so she'd modelled a lot of her behaviour on her father, but when she came back and she looked at it, she realised it was less, it wasn't as clever as, as she, or rather it might have been clever, but actually there was a streak of cruelty to her, and I don't think she was cruel. We finished the chapter off with an update on the gardeners, who we've talked about before as being parental substitutes, mm, like mm. the ideal parents, because them, bring, them bringing... Lizzie to Derbyshire had been the means of uniting Darcy and Lizzie, which is just lovely. And it's interesting because they are the trade. They are bringing the trade into... but uh, They're bringing the trade in, in its positive light. Mm. You, you, being in trade does not mean to say you have to have manners of a ball. And I wonder how revolutionary this was for Darcy to be doing. Um, because we're so far removed, it's hard for us to know. But people reading this would be like, "Wow, he's such a good man." Or he's that's such actually a... that's a really good thought, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it could be quite revolutionary what she's talking mm. about here in a small way. Mm. I like obviously that it has a happy ending. Oh, well, yes. Have you been watching the Bridgertons? Yes. So I've watched all of that. Have you finished? No, I haven't yet. No, I haven't. I haven't. I've. Um working our way through it at the moment. I've read the books, though, so I know the books. See, I've read... I thought I'd read the whole series, but then I looked it up when the... um, I was going to say movie, when the series came out, and I realised I haven't read the whole series. Oh, have you read this one? Yes. Yes. Yes, I was... um, I was most apprehensive to see how they dealt with the rape scene, but they did it quite well I think and they made the fact that she was so innocent seem like she didn't realise that what she was doing was a bad thing I think that's probably a very good way of describing it, I mean how many bearing in mind she pretty well knew nothing about sex at all mm. as as was want um, for that sort of, despite the fact that it was a large family they still didn't seem still to know much know. Yeah, so it's quite interesting seeing the different interpretation of... And, you know, it's often being compared with Jane Austen and... Oh, I don't know why they keep comparing it to Jane Austen. It's, it's, like, it's frustrating. It's the same time period, but no, it's it's written by an it's American... It's written by a modern, modern woman. Yes, and it's so different. Um, I was talking to one of our mutual friends about it, and she said, oh, it's an alternate history. Exactly an alternate history. It's an alternate history. So I'm... so she, Because she's very set about the classics and she's like I can enjoy it because it's an alternate history yes and it's even more of an alternate history the twists that they've put on it using coloured cast members yes and I th- which I think is brilliant because I think it works it's Black pretty- Queen Charlotte yes yeah but also the justification for more yes characters through I think it works very well um, but I had no problem with um, no issue with um, starting to see Coloured characters come into period dramas because they they used did the same thing in um, the Dickens one, um, David Copperfield. Oh, of course, and that was brilliant. Colorblind casting. Yeah, because Dev the um, the guy that was David Copperfield was um, Dev Patel. Is he Indian? Yes. Yes. 
No, I haven't seen that one. That's lovely. It's really nice. It's a good book. Good film. I would like to hear your your feelings when you finish watching Bridgerton. I think uh, it would be. Yes. I hope they do eight full seasons. Yes, it's very frustrating if they sort of finish halfway through when you know there's the full season. I want to see the one where um, Anthony, that's, that's my favourite one. I don't think I've read that one. I don't think I've read that one. I think the Eloise one will be difficult to do. Hers will probably be tied in with someone else's season because so much of her stuff just happens just to her by herself. Yes. And that's quite a different sort of story as well, isn't it, without the seasons? Mm. I love yeah. Penelope. Oh, um, she's gorgeous. I love Penelope, and I thought she was very well done. She's very well done. In, in, this, in this season, I screamed at one point when I was excited with something they did. I love her dresses. Yes. <laughs> Poor thing. I know. Her puts her in hideous dresses. I know. Anyway, off topic. Um, <laughs> did you have anything else to say about Chapter 61? No, I just think it's an it's a it's an epilogue without going into any too much detail, which I think is really quite effective. Basically, they get married, and then they just sort of summarise the impact of that marriage on the family around them. They don't go into it, and they go off and have five kids, and the, do you know what I mean? That which they can often do. It just basically still talks about the impact of that marriage and what it has on the rest of the sisters. It's a modern convention to have epilogues on romances. Mm. Those have like a year later and then you see them getting married or something mm. like that. Or, you know, they've got kids or they're, they're yeah. you know, having, having the air or something like that. Yes. So I think it, it works because it is just a, it's, it's enough to round off what happens with the others. So it doesn't feel like an abrupt ending. And that was a summary of Chapter 61 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Next, we are going to be reading Persuasion by Jane Austen and talking about that. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!